Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. It's a special podcast we put together on the weekends for you to enjoy. It's going to highlight some of our best interviews from this week from the radio show. You can hear these interviews live during the week in your local radio station. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder, and you'll find the station nearest you. But before we get to our first interview, let me get to one of our sponsors. We really appreciate their time. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also passively eavesdrops on our private conversations at home? ExpressVPN can help. What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, gets to track what you do on your smartphone? No good. Get ExpressVPN because big tech is powerful more powerful in a lot of countries. They profit by exploiting your personal data. Put a layer of protection between your online activity and these big tech juggernauts. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked and data mined. When you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, something big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated number one by Mashable and TechRadar. Here's what I like most about ExpressVPN. It's super easy. Download the app on your phone or your computer, tap one button, and you are protected. Stop handing over your personal data to big tech monopoly that minds your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me safe. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, expressvpn.com slash Bongino to get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Go there right now to learn more. First up today, we talked with former FBI agent Kyle Serfin about a breaking story about an actual insurrection in Minnesota. This was a crazy story about George Floyd Square if you haven't heard this, listen to this interview and you'll see how our DOJ is just completely lost and the media just won't pick up on the story. Check it out. All right. So um, this guy's a good friend of mine. It, and, and it's why I'm long. Uh, he's one of the reasons why I'm long on America, because there are some good people left. Matter of fact, a lot of good people who really care about the Republic, saving it and moving us back the freedom train back to the freedom station, not farther away from it. Uh, his name it's Kyle Serafin. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Serafin, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. Hey, check him out at KyleSerafin.com. He's also on Rumble as well, which we love. Kyle, uh, welcome back to the show. Always good to have you. Thanks so much for having me back on, Dan. You got it. So um, you contacted me this morning about a particularly disturbing story. Um, one of the things with you being so vocal as a whistleblower, and I'm proud to say I know you for that. It takes a lot of guts to do what you did give up a you know, very prosperous, great job in the FBI to go and speak the truth, is people uh, now know you're the real deal and they come to you. And uh, you got wind of a story out of Minnesota that I got to tell you, I had to kind of read twice before I got back to you. That's why it took so long. Thinking, no way, can't be that obvious. Why don't you tell the audience what, what you heard's going down over there? Sure. So for the background, I've got friends that are in politics right now in Minneapolis that are in, uh, in Minnesota. I've got some friends that are former law enforcement out there. And then obviously I've got some connections also within the bureau. But um, what I had was somebody come to me and let me know that there is an ongoing, you know, remnant of 2020 autonomous zone that's hanging out in the middle of a major American city, that being Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, which is a crazy thing to think that they are still doing. Uh, you know, these blockades, that there's still a no-go zone for the Minneapolis Police Department that's controlled by criminal gangs, and they just essentially have an open-air drug market where they can, they can pretty much do anything. Now, I'm, I'm told right now that the cops can go in there and get people that are dying of an overdose, but they can't do any enforcement actions. EMS is able to go in now and do the same sort of thing, cart people off. So they're letting you, them haul out their dead and, and the people that are dying from the, you know, the drugs that are going on, but uh, they're not able to do any of the enforcement. So this is essentially a piece of America that is being held hostage by, you know, a, uh, an organized crime group. So there's effectively, just to sum up where we are before we move to the next step, the angle to this, there's a chop zone outside of Seattle, essentially. It's in Minnesota at this point. Um, and the chop zone is basically by any uh, definition, standard definition, basically an insurrection. Uh, people are saying, your rules don't apply here. We own this. Um, you cannot enforce American and state laws in Minnesota uh, in here. It's an insurrection by definition. But where that zone is is, is quite interesting. Why don't you describe that angle there? So the zone is, uh, it's 
George Floyd Square, also known as uh, St. Mm. George of Fentanyl Square. So you can imagine oh. why that is. And, oh. and I guess it's fairly well known that this area of, uh, of Minneapolis, this is the 38th Street and Chicago area, I'm told, is, is just kind of a no-go zone. Like, you just don't go in there and do enforcement actions. Like I said, they can pick up the dead. That's pretty much what they're able to do. So basic service is not really available to folks there. And, and I'd love hmm. to hear if more people want to reach out to me on Twitter, by all means, if they have a personal experience, I've got someone that's going to go uh, do some, some recce work and take some photos over there in the next couple of days and, and kind of get us some, uh, some on-the-ground truth from it. Anyone who has any info on this, he's at Kyle Serafin on Twitter, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N, common spelling for Kyle, at Kyle Serafin. So, Kyle, we've established so far from some sources that there appears to be an, appears to be an insurrection going on in Minnesota, effectively an autonomous chop zone, which by law is tautologically illegal. Um, and it happens to be in the area of the George Floyd Square over there. Now, um, the FBI could could do something about that, right? If there was some open air drug dealing in the DOJ, you could have DEA, you could have IRS, you could have a task force go in there and enforce American laws. I mean, they did that on Capitol Hill for the insurrection on January 6th. Remember that? A lot of people went to jail. That's kind of how you and I met, you exposing how the political targeting happened for a lot of that. So what's happening? Are they are they breaking it up? Are they declaring an insurrection? Is Christopher Ray doing a press conference about it? What, what are you hearing? So there's two pieces to it. So number one, the, the federal law that would be involved, uh, particularly in organized crime, uh, you know, goes back to the 60s, but it's a uh, 18 U.S.C. 1962. This is going to be the stuff that's going to go after RICO, the RICO statutes. That's the racketeering and the influence of organized crime. So they have a tool that they can use. And as you might expect, not everybody is bad in any organization by any means. And that's the same case for the FBI there. So we've got FBI agents. We've got task force officers that are working on building a solid case against this this criminal organization that's holding this territory. But what has happened, and this is not the first time I've heard what we call main justice. So that's Washington, D.C., um, has has put the kibosh on their ability to go forward with both the prosecution and, and more importantly, the enforcement action to break this thing up. And they were planning on going in in a, in a safe way, the way that you would think. Um, you know, time frame, I'm not going to disclose because I don't think that's relevant. But basically, uh, DOJ is putting extra conditions and things that were not originally part of the initial prosecution hmm. and the initial case. So they're, they're stopping this. They're putting the kibosh on it. See, media people, this is called a story. Uh, this is called a breaking news event. You may want to pay attention to Kyle. Follow him on Twitter if you're interested in that kind of stuff. You know, stories like an insurrection going on in Minnesota and the potential. I'm not getting out ahead of my skis. Neither does Kyle. It's what I respect about the man. But it seems kind of interesting that they've got a case. The FBI agents and the people reaching out have said, you know what, we got a decent case here. And it appears extra conditions have been layered on. Kyle, I, I can speculate here. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that this would be, uh, it would be visuals of maybe FBI vehicles showing up in George Floyd Square doing actual law enforcement and that liberals in the Biden administration and the DOJ may not like the optics of that law enforcement be damned? That's 100% what I think it is. Um, we're being told that uh, there's a DOJ official whose name is Kim Dahmer's, D-A-M-M-E-R-S, who doesn't want this happening, doesn't want, uh, you know, FBI SWAT, task force officers from local PD getting into George, George Floyd Square and, and doing the things they do. And you'd have people wearing uniforms, you'd have people wearing camouflage because for whatever reason, FBI still wears camouflage, uh, even in urban areas. But they're going to go out there. They'll have an evidence response team grabbing things and doing the things they do. And so there's going to be placards and it's going to be a you know, strong physical and uh, visual response because that's what needs to happen when you when you lose a piece of American territory to some folks that are operating outside the law. And uh, they don't want that. So that's what we're being told is going on. Unfortunately, even the local prosecutors want to get this thing done because a good case is a good case and and, and good people want to do good cases. Um, but when you're getting held back by the by the headquarters units, then you can't do your work and they won't move forward with prosecution because they still work for a paycheck and they get told how they can and can't do things. We're talking to Kyle Serafin, KyleSerafin.com. If you want to learn more, he's on Rumble as well. He's a former FBI agent, whistleblower, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. You know, Kyle, uh, you're right. Uh, you know, I was an agent. You were an agent. Good cases are good cases. I don't remember a time. I mean, I got on in 1999. and I, I, I don't remember my supervisors in the New York field office, which was a rather big office, too. It wasn't full of tomato cans and ham and eggers. I mean, the guy who ran the New York field office was probably going to be the next director 
or some kind of uh, uh, deputy director. It was a big deal. I don't remember them ever. These were smart guys saying to me, you know, we got to consider the political ramifications. Now, I'm not saying they were naive to it. Uh, you know, if there was a case involving, say, a local politician, obviously that's a politically sensitive case. We'd run that up to headquarters. And we were in Treasury at the time before we went to DHS. It would be run through probably all the way up to the Secretary of the Treasury and to the White House. I think what you're saying and the way, where, where we, you know, when we met originally, one of the things that's offended you is political ramifications of a case and making decisions based on politics are not the same thing, okay? Like locking people up for a January 6th insurrection or whatever, grandma who trespassed because you don't like their politics while leaving a, essentially a new chop zone in Minnesota because their politics are sensitive to your cause and that that's third world republic stuff. It really is. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't make decisions whether or not to go forward with a case if it's righteous based on how it's going to look. Now you can you can be cautious about how you move forward right. with it that you make sure that you're 100% sure. correct in your allegations that you you know there are ways that you can make sure that you firm up the ground that you're standing on. But what you don't want to do is go, well, we're just not going to touch this because this is going to hurt some feelings of certain people and we need those people on our side. You know, the DOJ doesn't get to have a side. That's the whole reason why it's supposed to exist. It's supposed to be apolitical, even with a political, you know, appointee at the top of it. Same thing. That's why you're supposed to have a 10 year term for the FBI director. They're not supposed to be involved in politics. They're literally supposed to spend the different uh, terms of multiple executives. So once they're in, they're not supposed to be beholden. It's kind of like the way we're supposed to do judges with the sort of you know lifetime appointing. But this is not what we see right now. We're seeing them make, you know, expressly uh, you know, political decisions on prosecution not on how the prosecution is done. That's not okay. We're talking to Kyle Serafin, media people. Uh, again, this is called a story. Um, you may want to reach out to Kyle. I'm just saying we have an insurrection going on by your own definition in Minnesota that it appears the DOJ doesn't want to do anything about because of the political optics. That's called a huge story. So you can reach out to him on Twitter. He's there, at Kyle Serafin, S-C-R-A-P-H-I-N. Kyle, let's do a little test. Let's see how many people actually reach out to you. And I know there's some conservative people who will be concerned about this, but I can guarantee sure. you not the slimes or the Washington Post will say a damn thing. I, I got to run after this question, but final question, an update on your situation. You know, the FBI has treated you terribly this entire time. You brought up legitimate issues. You are unquestionably a whistleblower. That whole story about the targeting of Catholics. I mean, that was, which was an abomination that was you. This is a government-funded entity. It's not Google. It's the FBI. We pay for it, and so do you. What's the status with your case with them? Uh, how are they treating you? Well, they, they've gone back and forth with me saying that, uh, you know, I'm still an employee, which is patently absurd. I, I had my badge and my gun taken. Actually, today's April 18th, so uh, this is exactly one year to the day that they took my badge and my gun and walked me out of the building uh, in front of all my colleagues and friends and so on. So that happened. And then, um, you know, not too long after that, in June, they took my paycheck. So I haven't been paid in 10 months. So we had a little, uh, a little thing on my podcast where we just went through the, their allegations against me. They've added about 13 different charges now, including felonies, because, you know, I was probably the worst employee they ever had, if you listen to the way they wrote it. But it only happened the minute I, I became whistleblower. So all that stuff goes down. <laughs> um, I, I went ahead and let them know that even though I'm still, I was supposedly still on the Charmin uh, toilet paper rolls of the FBI. They usually they use the word rolls all the time. I've asked them to pull my sheet off and said, look, I will acknowledge that you broke up with me and uh, I'll make it easy for you. I will also break up with you. I, I you know, formally resign from uh, not being paid from this job for a year and uh, you guys can have it. I, like, I don't need to do that anymore. So and just I don't to be clear, you had no gun, no badge and no salary. And yet they claim you work there. That's uh. That's that's fascinating. That's quite a situation. That what a that's awesome. What a job. No gun, no badge, no salary. Sign me up, baby. I'll take it. Kyle, where can uh, the listeners find your podcast? They should really listen to you. You've got you've broken a ton of stories. This is not the first one, and uh, it's kind of unfair. I get to do it on my show. You should get some of this uh, uh, yourself and be able to explain it in your way, not directed by me. So, uh, how can they find you? Very kind. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on all the places you might find podcasts. You could look for just the Kyle Serafin show. And then, as you said, we're on Rumble. So if they want to see the video version of it, they can uh, check out there. And it's essentially just my smiling face talking to. There's not a whole lot more to it. But uh, we do have some that's really interesting do, guests bro. that come on as well. And <laughs> I know it. <laughs> hey, and listen, that's right how now. we found each other. I, and listen, man, I get the golden. What's the golden rule of podcasts? 
Content is king, Daddy-O. Nobody gives a damn about the effects. You know, dancing, uh, you know, little uh, Willy Wonka things in the background. Nobody cares. Produce good content, and I'm telling you, people will find your show. That's why people like you. Check them out, folks. Kyle Serafin. That is an incredible story. I really hope someone in conservative media reaches out to you because this is an explosive, explosive revelation. I don't think I'm overselling that. Kyle, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Always appreciate the time, Dan. Thanks. You got it, man. And uh, I want to say publicly thank you to Kyle for rescuing the guest segment. <laughs> we life preserver. He grabbed the preserver and he actually got on the ship. Sometimes we throw the preserver and guests don't want it. They're like, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. Leave me in the Pacific to be eaten by the hammerhead sharks. I don't even know if they're in the Pacific. Thank you, Kyle. That was a great segment. And uh, yeah, I call that breaking news. We have an insurrection going on, and the DOJ don't want to do anything about it. Dear media people, again, that's called the story. You may want to check that out. Up next is an unplanned epic rant I had on the radio show. I think you're going to like, but let's hear from our next sponsor first. Inflation has consequences. How do I know that? Because you can go to the supermarket and see yourself. Your money is less spending power. Oh, look, I was buying a steak. Now I'm buying chicken. Now I'm buying dog food. Diversification has never been more important to protect yourself against the ravages of inflation. The recent surge in gold prices, happy I bought mine before the surge, but you can still get in. It shows why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market. Get in now. Gold is a great hedge against inflation. It's going to get worse. The only company I trust to help you diversify into gold is Birch Gold Group, B-I-R-C-H. I bought gold from them multiple times. I'm a believer, always have been in gold. You know that? You can do the same. Text Dan to 989898 to get a free information kit on gold. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k that's tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, gold and silver. And the best part, it's tax sheltered. Text Dan to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better, Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold is who I trust to protect my future and yours. Text Dan to 989898 today. Past performance, not a guarantee of future results. Message and data rates apply. Tax day was last week. That made me think I went off on our fair shares, all this other nonsense the left keeps talking about, and the importance of going to work. Get to work. Here was one of those rants. Check this out. But tomorrow, I think tomorrow's tax day, right? It's been pushed to the 18th. Is it today? I, I don't know. I heard it's been pushed to tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. You better look that up. I think they pushed it till tomorrow. No, no, look it up. I'm serious. I think I, th I think they pushed it to you did look it up? I think they pushed it to tomorrow. I could be wrong. You see, but usually it's on a on because someone was talking about that this morning on Fox, and I gotta tell you, I was a little I was a little confused about it too. But I have to um till tomorrow. So I'm right. Can you acknowledge that, please, Jim? Open your mic. Can you please tell the whole world? Uh, yes, you, Dan right. Bongino, you... are correct. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jim. I... <laughs> I'm wrong a lot. I'm wrong a lot. Uh, once in a while, I, I need to be, I need the world to hear I was right once in a while. Uh, I, I, I Listen, man, I'm a sensitive guy. No, I, I'm, I'm only saying that because I'm, I'm messing around with Jim because I thought that too. Usually when it falls on a weekend, it's on that Monday. And I was watching Fox this morning, and I think it was Dana Perino who asked the same question. He's like, why is it tomorrow? <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. But this the whole tax thing. So what? How do I? Uh, hold on, let me get a drink of water here. I'm just going to. Let's make it ugly. Nothing pisses me off more than the whole tax day argument. Because what I find really incredible about it, the whole tax and taxes thing is, that these lazy freaking bums who don't do anything for a living, most notably liberal Democrats who sit around in mama's basement, you know, with the lubriderm and some Ben and Jerry's and, you know, you can probably figure out the rest. They really don't. I mean, they're, they're typically incels and everything like that. They sit in their mama's basement and they whine endlessly about Tucker, Mark Levin and Trump all day. Uh, it's all you hear from them, right? They do nothing. They add zero value to society at all. I mean, none, none, zero. They have really flat rumps because they sit on them all day. It's like, man, is that, what is that? Is that a, my gosh, you okay there? Your pants don't fit. Yes, that's flat. It's not supposed to be flat like that. There's a gluteus maximus supposed to have a little like <laughs> to it, right? What happened? 
Well, I sit on aisle at Ben and Jerry's and <laughs> they do nothing. They add no value to society at all. Now, I'm in an interesting spot as your humble host here, right? I grew up, I'd say middle class. Dad was a plumber. My mom worked in a supermarket in Smithtown, Long Island. Parents get divorced, not a sob story, whatever. Everybody's got the, who cares? But it, 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 you know, it got a little weird after that. So we kind of started teetering at the lower end of the middle class after the divorce thing. Mom didn't have a job for a little while. Then she started working at Con Edison and they, they, she got laid off. So, you know, we went through some struggles and, you know, we, the big deal for us was having like London broil for dinner, which now I eat, it tastes like shoe leather. But back in the day, that tasted like caviar. I mean, you'd have to cut that. And you ever have London broil? I mean, if you don't smoke that thing for like four days, that's tough to eat, right? And I worked really hard, man. It's, you work hard too. It's, does, I'm not unusual in that respect, but I did. I went through a lot of struggles. You know, I went to Stony Brook University for my first year of college and things didn't really work out. I missed home. And I went home, I got really depressed about things. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in my life uh, at the time. You know, friends doing dumb stuff. I just felt really alienated. I was living by myself. I was only, I think, 19 at the time. We had a house burned down. I was living with my aunt and uncle in Wontaw and... Uh, no, it's not my autobiography. I'm just trying to make a point. Just roll with me for a minute. I was living with my aunt and uncle in Wontaw, Long Island. The house burned down. We lost the dog. I lost everything I owned. I came out of that with a pair of ripped Gap jeans and a pair of black Doc Martin boots. That was it. Nothing left. I mean, pictures, videotapes, every money. You know, I had like $1,000 in a, in a potato salad cup that I had saved up from working at a store. And I've uh, gone. I mean, I had nothing. I was left with absolutely nothing. So I moved out. I'm living in a sim, totally depressed. And uh, things got really dark. Things got really dark for me. I used to go to this bagel store. And uh, there was this guy I'd help out once in a while. And uh, there was this guy who worked there, Anthony. And I was really in a dark place. And you want to be candid with you, I was like in the darkest place possible. I mean, I really just didn't want to go on. I, it was bad. It was bad. It runs in my family, this depression. And when you're depressed, like clinically depressed, and then life starts to really break bad. So in other words, like depression's weird because you're just sad about stuff that, that makes no sense. You're like sad because baseballs are white. Like that's depression. I can't describe it any other way. Like, oh my gosh, the baseball's white. Like it's weird. It's not attached to anything. But when you're depressed and stuff breaks really bad, it gets really bad. And then you, I understand. So when people when talk about mental illness and stuff, you know, I'm, my ears perk up because I know what that's like to be there. And it really is a dark place. And um, I remember, you know, the turning point was I was talking to this kid, Anthony, who was not a particularly great guy, but he had some struggles too, you know, notably uh, some drugs and some crime and stuff. And he didn't really want to hear my sob stories at all. He really didn't. And that's the problem with victim culture now is that, you know, everybody who's victims and everybody feels bad. Oh my gosh, I'm a trans person. You're being targeted. How exactly? How are you being targeted? For what? Who's targeting you? Someone specifically? I don't want anybody targeted. You're trans, you're adult. I may have disagreements with your lifestyle, but I don't want you targeted for anything. I don't want anybody attacking you or anything. That doesn't help the argument at all. We can have a political debate, but you know, everybody's a victim now, right? But I, this kid wasn't allowing that at all. He wasn't allowing that at all. He, he's, uh, he said to me, he's like, listen, if you're going to do something stupid to yourself, right? Uh, it was like a Friday or something like that. He said, I don't really care, like at all, not even a little bit. He's like, I just wish you'd give me a heads up because I need to have someone cover a shift on Monday. If you're not going to help out, like just let us know. And it was so matter of fact. And I got to tell you, man, it was a real like road to Damascus moment. And from that point on, like uh, things kind of turned a lot. And I really started busting my ass. I had a really good GPA my freshman year in Stony Brook. My sophomore year, I totally collapsed. I had a 1.6. I was put on academic probation, which I had never. I was always a pretty smart kid. I had never been on academic probation in my life for anything. It was humiliating and embarrassing. But then I was committed, man, and I turned it around, and I busted my ass. Those last two and a half years of college, I wound up graduating with like a 3.5. I got into graduate school for neuropsychology in a super competitive program. 
I wound up later going back to school, getting an MBA at Penn State. I took the MCATs. I wanted to go to medical school. Didn't get in there, but dusted off and went to business school instead. And after growing up really middle class and at the lower end of middle class and knowing that struggle, it was precisely that struggle that made me say to myself, you know what, man? I ain't doing that again. I ain't doing it again. And folks, if someone would have rescued me from that struggle instead of that guy, Anthony, telling me, I don't really give a, about your struggle. What I care about is you're going to show up on Monday to work or not, made me realize that the only one that was going to pull me out of this struggle was me. And then I better cut the BS and stop telling people sob stories about how awful my life was because it's not. You still live in the greatest country on earth, and this place is rife with opportunities if you just open the freaking door and walk through. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to sit in the doorway and complain. And I busted my ass. I became a police officer, and you know what? Good enough wasn't good enough. I said, you know what? I want to be a Secret Service agent, and I did that too. Then I left there. I said, I want to run for office. Took a shot at that. Didn't work out. Then I said, I want to own a business. First business we started... Worked out okay, but wasn't a success. It was a lot of work we thought it would be. And I scrapped it, but I learned a lot about running a business. Then we went into other investments. Some worked out, some didn't. And then we wound up with a really successful one. And all that happened, and I get this tax bill. Because I don't really do the administrative portion of the business. My wife and my legal team handles all that. But my wife was on speakerphone talking to the accountant this past week. And the accountant's telling her what we made and all so I, And folks, I'm serious when I tell you this. I really have no idea. I have an idea. I mean, I have an idea, but I don't know plus or minus, you know, 20%. I just don't know. I don't keep track of it. My wife does. Uh, it's, no, I trust her. Like, she, obviously, that's why I married her. But the accountant said the number, and I was like, wow, that was a lot of work. Wrote a book, do a Fox show, do a podcast, do a radio show, uh, you know, involved with a couple of businesses. We're involved in some new investments, some, uh, some IP projects, other things. And then he told me the tax bill. Folks, I almost lost it. I lost, I just eaten. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, it's got the Pepto. The indigestion kicked in right away. I said, you're kidding. That's what we're paying the government taxes? You're joking, right? She said, no, I'm not kidding. And I thought, wait, what? Wait, really? For what? What are we getting out of this deal? Because let me tell you something. My entire life, I've been poor or middle class. And I didn't really get much from the G, the government. I don't know what. I got a bunch of grief, maybe. A bunch of stupid political speeches. But I feel like I kind of put into work. I have no objection whatsoever, none, philosophically, to financing a military, a court system. And as I said, uh, our seniors, you were promised a crap deal with Social Security and Medicare. It failed. But I get it. I, I don't want seniors eating cat food. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pay for them in a pay-go program, and I get that. But when she gave me the tax bill, I thought to myself, or when I heard about it on the speakerphone. Do you have any idea what I could do with that money? Invested in probably 10, 20 other businesses, create, I don't know, five, 10 more good quality jobs to change people's lives. I could hire a staff of two, three more. Do another renovation on our studio over here that would put construction workers in, uh, you know, into business in this local neighborhood I live in. And that's not what happened with any of it. It's going to go to the government. You know what's going to happen? You might as well flush it down a toilet and burn that crap. Because it's going to be spent on a bunch of garbage and a bunch of feel-good, make-you-feel-like-a-victim programs where it's not going to teach people that they have a way to walk through the door and take advantage of this country rife with opportunities. But it's going to tell them, stand in the doorway. We'll pay you to stand there and just keep complaining. The more you complain, we'll give you more money. My biggest objection to the Republican Party as it's constituted now, not all of them, I don't like to stigmatize people, but my biggest objection is that we have not made a bigger issue about get your freaking ass to work. 
that we constantly dilly-dally around and play this compassionate conservatism crap when that's not what the world needs right now. I'm not telling you you got to insult people and scream at people. I can do that. But I'm telling you, you better make an issue out of the value of work, getting your rump, picking it up off a chair, your ass, and taking it to a job and producing something of value. Producing something of value. Because that's the reason you're here. You sitting around and getting paid to do nothing when you're perfectly capable of working is not compassion. It's the very definition of evil. It steals from you the opportunity to see the opportunity right in front of your face because you're blinded by a bevy of benefits the government's paying you to not recognize the opportunity right in front of you. It is the biggest mistake this party ever made is getting into things like earned income tax credits and all oh, it incentivizes where it none of this all it does is distort the tax code here here here's what we do you want to make people you, I, great you want to get people back to work incentivize them to go back to work i don't care if they pay no taxes up to a hundred thousand dollars i don't care and make it fair for everyone else the economy would explode tomorrow i'm just throwing that number out there'd be a massive cliff obviously We got to stop beating around the bush, man. We got to just be straight with people and clear with people. And it's us, the government, giving people money that's destroyed people's lives. There's nothing compassionate about it at all. There is nothing compassionate if you have the capability to work. You need, you need to feel that. You need to feel that to say, I don't want to go back there. It's the only way. Up next is Steve Dace, one of our favorites. We'll get to that in a second, but let me tell you about our next sponsor first. I want to welcome to the show Contingency Medical. Listen, I can't stress enough the importance of being well prepared for an emergency. Imagine needing life-saving medications when supply chains are interrupted or completely stalled. Contingency Medical ensures you have medicines when the unexpected happens with three different emergency antibiotic packs, each one prescribed by licensed physicians and dispensed by certified pharmacies. These packs are a must-have for anyone who travels, spends time outdoors, or simply wants the convenience and security of having a supply of antibiotics at their home. Folks, I am all about preparedness. Maybe it's my prior line of work being a Secret Service agent. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I ensure everything in my life that matters. I ensure my food supply, clean water, and you damn well better make sure you have a supply of antibiotics around. God forbid there's an emergency. I really, really like having contingency medical around my house. Each contingency medical pack provides access to prescribing physicians for advisement on safe and effective use of the medicine along with an antibiotic guide. Their packs treat symptoms like nausea and motion sickness and covers treatment for 10 common infections like respiratory infections, ear infections, strep, and more. Get prepared. Go today to contingencymedical.com and enter the promo code Bongino today for $20 off your pack. That's $20 off any pack at contingencymedical.com with promo code Bongino. Contingency Medical and his products are not intended to substitute for professional medical treatment or advice. Consult with your healthcare provider. Here's Steve Dace talking about the medical issues he's been dealing with. He's a good friend, a great conservative. He's talking about liberal Hollywood, how he got around in his new movie, Nefarious. It's a really great movie. Check this out. Happy to have one of my favorite people, always a reliable guest. You know what I like about having this particular guest on? He has been in radio a whole lot longer than me, years, years before I was. So when you say, Steve, I got 30 seconds left, he wraps it up in 30 seconds. He's got like a magic timer in his head. Welcoming back to the show, our good friend, Steve Day. Steve, so good to have you on the show. How are you feeling first? I know you're getting that a lot, but the audience was following uh, this little health crisis you went through. You doing all right? I'm okay. Um, you know, we're still fighting this infection off. I, I get a little low-grade fever every now and then uh, as my body is still fighting this uh, dreaded MRSA infection, but, uh, and it's still draining. But uh, for the most part, I'm out of the woods, and uh, um, I appreciate you asking. It was quite an ordeal and a very, very painful one on top of that. Listen, that is no joke. You know, I hate when someone mentions it, and you go, oh, I had this too, but in this case... Uh, when I was my first started doing the grappling stuff and they weren't cleaning the mats, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you just like went on the mat and whatever. I got yep. MRSA in my lower leg and I was in the hospital for days. I, I, I'm not, I think I had to take, uh, was it Rocephin or something? These, I, f I forget there, but these uh, injectable antibiotics, that's serious yep. stuff. I mean, that can quite literally kill you. That's no joke. 
No, it is no joke. There is one oral antibiotic on planet Earth that will treat it. Um, and you can have a lot of reactions to it. And if that doesn't work, then you have to do what you did still. Now, years later, you still go to the hospital and intravenously have to have them uh, put the antibiotics into you to beat it. Yeah. Luckily, I am tolerating that antibiotic. And so I was able to come back to work. Good. Yeah. And every time I have surgery, they make me even now, 20 years later, I got to wipe down with this special chlorohexanate cloth. And so it's just yep. crazy. So glad to hear yep. you're doing good. I want to get to the movie. Uh, I just want to hit one topic with you for the movie's called Nefarious, folks. It is um, to say tearing it up is an understatement. Don't take my word for it, by the way. Just go read the reviews. You know, you know don't listen to me. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I'm not saying that biased. I'm telling you, read the reviews. I don't even want to tell you about the ending. Steve's going to tell you about the movie. But first, Steve, the topic du jour, I know, in the media that's been eating everyone's time up is clearly what happened yesterday with Dominion and Fox. I've been covering mm -hmm. it for the first two hours of the show. Uh, it's not the, the case, the outcome. It's the media response on the left that I've got to tell you stuns me and there's nobody more uh, uh, qualified to comment on this than you. You've been in the media a lot longer than me. I cannot believe the victory laps being taken by people on the left-wing media with a documented history of lying on the air who are like, mm -hmm. this is great. We could pay out billions for lies now. It's just amazing. Well, they are used to a system, Dan, where they're not held accountable for anything. You know, Julie yeah. Swetnick can go yeah. on national TV on MSNBC with Michael Avenatti and yes. claim that uh, yes. uh, you know, Brett Kavanaugh is actually a marauding gang rapist. I for, um, Jim, it is, how did we not know about the Julie Swetnick? How did we forget the Julie Swetnick? This is why they I'm sorry, Steve, go ahead. That is so right. Julie Swetnick, how did we forget the best example ever? Go ahead. I mean, they're just not held accountable for anything, for nothing. Right. And so yes. I, I don't think the old political dichotomy where both Republicans and Democrats were, were very concerned about going too far left of center and right of center because of the blowback and the reverb from the other side, which is a, a natural relationship in any kind of a duopoly, doesn't exist any longer. The other side has no fear about going off to the lunatic fringe. There is no fear whatsoever that, um, that you will find a federal judge of your own uh, and go after them for the lies that they tell and use that as a precedent against them. None. They have no fear. And, and, and I hate to say it, but sadly, I'm, I'm not really sure at this point why they would. And that's, yeah. that's kind of where we are. They, they understand that this is, this is, you know, this duopoly is a teeter-totter, brother, and it's heavily tilted yeah. to one side at the moment. Yeah, yeah, man, you're right. And I, I mean, we were talking about COVID examples. I mean, how many people have a legally actionable case under this new pseudo right. standard now uh, who were told to get the vaccine because it prevents COVID who may have come down with myocarditis or family members who may have suffered worse? I mean, you wrote the book about Fauci. You got you and yep. Dan and you got the Fourth Reich out now. There's the, you actually wrote books on this. I mean, is under this new pseudo standard, is this legally actionable? I mean, if I were if I were Peter McCullough, maybe the most decorated cardiologist in American history. Right. If I were Harvey Risch, one of the most academically cited MDs in American history, uh, you know, Scott Atlas, Jay Bhattacharya, John Ioannidis at Stanford University, you know, these scientists who were shunned, who were scarlet lettered for daring, daring to question the narrative. I mean, Peter McCullough has founded three different medical journals. They have tried to literally take his medical license away. If I'm those guys, now I am looking at this precedent and saying, oh, okay, uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Um, but I think the problem you're still going to have is we're not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We're a nation of political will, and we always will be. And so the, all, right now, all the will, or most of the will, seems to be on one side. And, I mean, look at what's going on with DeSantis and, and, and Disney right now. I mean, we have people right. wearing our own jersey saying, Disney's the victim. This isn't liberal. This yeah, isn't limited that's government. Good. This isn't free yeah, market we economics. Okay? Yeah. yeah, we, we can't have that. So we, we finally got somebody who punched them back right in the face. And now we're right. like, well, we're not supposed to do that. I mean, there's a, a gentleman's agreement here, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Un, uh, that, yeah, that's un, totally, totally, totally unacceptable. The Disney is clearly in the wrong, clearly in the wrong, totally mischaracterized. Uh, the bill called it the don't say gay bill, which is totally ridiculous, which is almost slanderous in and of itself. But I want to get mm -hmm. to the movie. 
Steve, you're, you, you have this story you told called Nefarious, which got turned into a movie. Now, I think the problem which you'd acknowledge, having commented on this stuff in the past, is a lot of the movies in the conservative ecosystem sometimes, you know, the production wasn't great. The stories were kind of, uh, you know, some of them came off a little bit grifty in the early days. Now we're getting our act mm -hmm. together. There's a mm -hmm. ton of solid, strong Christian movies. The Kelsey Grammer uh, movie just mm -hmm. did phenomenal numbers. Your movie is incredible. The story's amazing. The production's incredible. The reviews on it have been outstanding. How did you think of the story? What was the movie process like? And how did you get this thing pushed through with all these crazy liberals out there dominating the entertainment space? Well, to your last question, the only way that we thought we could do it to tell the story we wanted to is if we financed it ourselves. And so my company spent millions of dollars. It has not spent on me the last few years to make this film, um, from even to the marketing budget. So we would not have to compromise anything. Um, and, you know, I wrote a book back in 2016 called The Nefarious Plot. Uh, and I got inspired to do it on my first trip to Washington, D.C. We're best to get inspired to write a book about a demonic takeover of America than Washington, D.C. And uh, the guys who did uh, God's Not Dead and Unplanned heard about the book. And uh, they were like, we got to turn that into a movie. And the question, though, is, is how do you take kind of a screw tape letters kind of a polemic where a demon rants at you for 200 pages and translate that to a movie? And so what we, what we show in the movie is the origin of this manuscript. Where did this demonic manuscript come from? And it comes from death row in Oklahoma, where a serial killer named Edward Wayne Brady, because all serial killers apparently must have three names. Uh, he, and on the day he's to be executed... <laughs> He claims he is in he didn't do these of his own free will. He was demonically possessed. And the, the, the court appoints an atheist psychiatrist, because unless I guess you have Jordan Peterson, there aren't any other kind uh, to come in and do this uh, cursory sort of psychiatric eval. Check the box. Let's move on and fry this guy. And he's going to get a lot more than he bargained for. Uh, he, and he's going to learn the true origin of a lot of his views that he think are progressive, enlightened, tolerant. And over the course of this film, it's going to absolutely wreck him to see what the true origin of his worldview is. And then he's going to have to come to grips with whether to stick with that or to turn from that darkness and walk back into the light. We're talking to Steve Dace. Steve Dace has a movie out. It's called Nefarious. It is tearing it up. Again, folks, don't listen to me or Steve. Read the reviews yourself. The movie's incredible. I don't even, I don't want to say too much and give it away. He kind of just laid out the general plot. But you're going to be asking a lot of questions of yourself when this movie's over. I promise you. Steve, you went and saw it, Nefarious, in a few different... I've been following you on Twitter, and uh, you went and saw it yourself in a number of different movie theaters. That's got to be a pretty cool experience. You're sitting there, and you're like, gosh, one day I was driving to D.C. or whatever, and I thought of this yep. story, and now here it is on, on the big screen right here. It's really been surreal, and, and that's what's kind of made this... There's never a good time for a MRSA infection, but... The timing of this, it, you know, when this is supposed to be really one of the best weeks of my entire life, uh, has certainly taken some of the joy from it. But still, once I'm in that theater and, and a chance to sit there with people and gauge their reactions and watch what they think, uh, to hear them collectively laugh, collectively gasp, sigh, uh, silent during some of the interactions between our psychiatrist, James, and Nefarious, portrayed by Sean Patrick Flannery of Boondock Saints fame, who is incredible in the movie. Um, that was that was really freaking cool, man. I'm not going to lie. It was just really freaking cool. Did you spend any time on the set at all? I, I haven't been oh, on yeah. the movie. I think maybe. What was that like? Well, it was that was also supposed to be fun. We had the IATSE Hollywood Union try to shut us down um, in a right-to-work state uh, with a frivolous uh, suit. And so I actually was going to go down there and just watch the movie film for several days. Instead, I had to go to war and get a hold of the governor, the attorney general, the legislature, so we could even film the movie. So, again, that took some of the, the joy away from it. But seeing Sean's performance in person was mesmerizing. And then, oh, by the way, it took us 100 grand, but we actually beat the union in NLRB court last month. I mean, how frivolous does your claim have to be? if a Biden NLRB magistrate rules against you as a Hollywood union. And that tells you that's just part of the opposition we have had to making this movie and getting it out to the public all along. The movie's nefarious folks, nefarious, go see it. It's one of those, there's nothing worse than leaving a movie and you driving back with your wife in a car. You know, I only go to movies with my wife or, or sometimes with my daughter, if it's a kid movie, whatever it may be. 
and nobody's like saying anything. You want to be in the car, right? And you want to be like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. what about that part and that part? You'll have so many questions. The movie's called Nefarious. Uh, Steve, a couple thoughts. The MRSA thing, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not your preacher, obviously. You know more about spirituality than I do, but my friend told me, and he always repeat this very famous quote to me all the time. He'd say, you know, the heavens have a way of putting a price on things. God decided that for a reason, neither you nor I understand, uh, but it'll mm-hmm. make sense in the afterlife. You know, that challenge mm-hmm. was put there for you for a reason, and I think you recognize mm-hmm. that. But on the movie set topic, uh, I got uh, two minutes left here. I listened to a podcast once about economics and the guy was saying, you'll never see capitalism in action better than on a movie set. Everybody knows what to do. The lighting guy shows he does this. They don't even have to talk to each other. He's like, it's the difference between implicit and explicit knowledge. It's the reason centuries of capitalism have built in implicit knowledge that other socialist economies don't have because they've done this movie thing a thousand times. They just know to show up and what to do. That's exactly right. And I mean, we had an incredible crew and uh, uh, the the post-production quality, you mentioned it, the production quality of this film in a theater, um, the cinematography, uh, the sound uh, design and the sound editing. I mean, it's it's really, really top notch. And we're, we're on a side note, Dan, we're also hoping that maybe we can kind of stretch the boundaries a little bit of more serious, gritty subject matter that as conservatives, Christians, we can tackle in films to complete. I love Jesus revolution. I agree with you. And I'm glad for all its success. I'd, I'd like our film to take a step in, in eradicating all that's left of conservative movie cheese, just completely get rid of it once and for all. Yeah, we've had, I'm glad you recognize we've had it. Um, it's, it's, you know, or we do documentaries. Good. Uh, you know, yes. we do docs good, but we haven't, it's not our space. I mean, we're not, I, I heard a conservative activist, you and I are both friends with, explain it to me one time. He goes, Dan, in conservatism, all the people funding the movement are basically people in petrochemicals, energy and things like that. They don't have to be creative in their advertising. Like, hey, buy our gas here, whatever. He says, the liberals got all these Apple people and Android and they're like, hey, buy our cool Beats headphones because of this. So they're more creative. So it's taken us a while to get it but we are getting it. Your movie is incredible. I think it's going to break a lot of ceilings, folks. The movie's called Nefarious. Uh, Steve, is there a website they can find locations and tickets? You bet. Go to nefariousTickets.com. Again, that is nefariousTickets.com. Buddy, congratulations on a tremendous, tremendous success. You're doing big things. Always happy to have you back on the show. Thanks for your time, Steve. I appreciate it, brother. It means a lot coming from you. God bless. Take care. You got to Feel better, buddy. That guy, man. He's a good dude, and he got really sick right before his movie. But as I said before, don't pretend to understand why God does things he does. He is far infinitely smarter than we are, and there's a reason for everything. The heavens always put a price on things. That's for a reason. We'll be tougher people in the end. Go see the movie, nefariousTickets.com. It's incredible. We'll be right back. That was Steve Dace. There was big news that happened during the show last week that changed the entire media landscape as well. We'd like to thank our final sponsor first, and we'll talk about that media story next. Folks, the light sleep is okay, but you need the deep sleep. And to get the deep sleep, you really need a comfortable mattress. Helix knows everyone's unique. It's H-I-L-I-X. So they have several different mattress models to match based on your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. When you receive your Helix mattress, you'll be obsessed with it. It's quick and fun to unbox. You won't believe how well you'll sleep. You'll wake up rested and refreshed. They have a 10-year warranty. And Helix has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is now offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners to this program. It's the best offer yet. Go today to helixsleep.com slash Dan. Don't wait. Like I said, I got the midnight looks like sleeping on a cloud. Helixsleep.com slash Dan with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Check them out. Finally, you'll hear my real raw reaction of Tucker Carlson leaving Fox and how I analyzed it, having just minutes to digest what happened after the story broke. The story is going to have major effects not only on Fox, but on the entire media industry. Yeah, here he is. And, you know, the benefit of a live podcast and a live radio show is stuff happens live while you're live, when you're live, and it happens live. I was doing this whole show on my pod there at 11 o'clock. And, you know, I, forgive me, we're we, we going to have to do the weekend update thing later. This is, uh, this is just not the time for it. Um, I, I, I tell you, it's, if you want to watch my reaction, you can go watch the podcast afterwards when it came through at about, what was it, about 1140 or so? 
If you're saying what, um, Tucker Carlson is out uh, at Fox News. And his last show was Friday. I am um, absolutely shocked. Things are starting to make a little more sense um, for me now. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm really in shock. I mean, you can see my reaction live on the podcast if you watch it on, uh, on, uh, on, on, you know, whatever on, on when it's recorded afterwards. It's always available there. Uh, Tucker was a good friend. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't like coffee buddies or drinking buddies or anything like that. But uh, I can tell you, whenever I needed to come on or something like that, as people were always open to it, and. Um, from talking to a bunch of people who watch Fox but don't necessarily work there, they're they're stunned. You can probably tell from my voice, I'm almost. I had a hard time recovering during the during the podcast. I I had to take a break and read a spot to kind of just um to get my um kind of sea legs under me. Because I, I don't know what to say. I, uh, I, I, it's interesting, too, because right before the news broke on uh, social media. Oh, because people are calling me now. This is crazy. You have no idea my phone is blowing up. You're out. Tucker's gone. Let me get some water here. Sorry, folks. Um, in the chat room during the podcast, Someone had commented that why isn't Dan talking about his show not being on on Fox on Saturday night? And I had said because I had already addressed this on Thursday. There was no, you know, there was no, I already told people there was no reason to waste time on Monday's show about something I had already discussed. And, you know, that's, that's on me because I guess, you know, I'm assuming everybody was either watching the podcast or, or, you know, saw it on my Facebook page or saw my Twitter. And folks, some people don't, a lot of people don't, they have lives. They have soccer games for kids. They have plumbers coming over the house. They've got to go to work and set up a website. Like They don't have time for any of this stuff. So they were asking me what happened to your show. And I said, we just couldn't agree on a contract, which is what happened. And I'm sorry, uh, you know, uh, you didn't know. I, I, I wasn't trying to certainly hide it from anyone. But um, I am just shocked. You know, I'm in a unique spot here talking to you because my show is, uh, is a multi-platform show, which isn't unique. I mean, there are a lot of people who have radio shows and podcasts and TV shows, um, but very few of them have a unique podcast, a unique radio show, and a unique TV show. All three completely separate products. Or I should say had. I, obviously, after last week, I'm not doing my TV show anymore. You get the point. But I say that because I've seen all three of these spaces. And cable news, ladies and gentlemen, is having a real problem. They're having a problem with cord cutters. That's not a Fox thing. That's a cable news thing in general. And that you have a host in primetime like Tucker Carlson who generates, you know, three to three million plus viewers a night. You know, to cut ties with that is, 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 I mean, it's an earthquake in the cable news ecosystem. You know, I don't know what happened. And I know a lot of you probably tuning in to the radio show and the podcast today saying, well, Dan worked there. He's got the inside scoop. And folks, listen, I, I'd be clickbait. I'm never going to be that host. I don't do that. Hey, look, inside scoop on Fox. It's, you know, sometimes it even turns into a fight with, you know, some people on my own team who wish I was a little more, you know, out, out there with this stuff. And that's all right. I mean, that's their job. But that's not what I do. I don't know. I had no idea that was going to happen at all. I'm not candidly. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are speculating. Like Bongino and Tucker out at the same time. I can only tell you what happened in my negotiations. I covered it on, on Thursday. I don't think these two incidents are related at all. I, I, I mean, I, 
I can just tell you based, I was there. I mean, I, I don't, I'll let you in on a little secret here. I don't, I don't have an agent. I don't use an agent. I have lawyers, but I negotiate my own deals. I love business. I love negotiations. So I say that because I was there on all the calls. And I don't think these two incidents are related at all. But it is surprising that they would just announce this today. I mean, that, that's fairly obvious because I'm watching Fox now and just 20 minutes ago an ad for Tucker's show ran tonight. So something must have kind of abruptly abruptly happened. And um, I, I'm shocked. I, I'm just... Uh, I'm just really stunned. I'm really stunned. I mean, does it have anything to do with the 60 Minutes show yesterday? I'm sure there's going to be a thousand people speculating, but I would be guessing on that, and it's not fair to do that. I, the Bongino rule matters to me. I say it as kind of a, you know, a joke in jest, but it's not a joke. Let a story flesh out. You can be first, and it's, we should be reporting. This is obviously news. Tucker's out. That's not, that's, not a, that's not a Bongino rule item. He's out. That's, they already announced he's out. I mean, that's... But for me to, you know, speculate on the reason is really wasting a lot of your time, and it's unfair. It could be a thousand different things. And the reason I'm, I'm confident that the first explanation may not be the right one is because I was busy reading all weekend, as was my good buddy Jim, how I got fired from Fox, which I've told you is not, it's absolutely false. To get fired means at some point they said, we don't want you on the network. And that's not what happened. That is not what happened at all. I was there. So that, that's kind of one of the reasons I'm on first pass here, hesitant to take any kind of explanation about what may have happened. It leads into my first story perfectly. When I, it's give me like a little bit, and I'll, I'll do a little weekend update later. But uh, right now, there's just, I mean, you want to talk about a fire hose. This is one of those stories where I'm telling you, man, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm shocked. It's rare, as you know, for me to be speechless on something. But if you would have given me a hundred stories, say, fake headlines and said, one of these things is going to happen today. These AI-generated headlines, one of them is going to happen. Rank them from the most likely to the least likely. I would rank that one 98 to 100. That Tucker would be leaving Fox. I, shocking. Really shocking. I mean, people are going to ask a lot of questions. I think some of the questions, I think we should wait. You know, I think we, you know, we, we shouldn't be like leftist PP tape hoaxers and just throwing out crazy stories about why. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we can just wait for the real story to come out. I'm sure Tucker at some point will have some comment about what happened. And I think it's only fair to give him his space. You know, the lefty media, huh, huh, Tucker was fired. They don't, it's just full of crap. Just ignore these idiots. But something did happen yesterday, and a lot of people are going to speculate about it, and that is the 60 Minutes interview with Ray Epps, which was one of the most bizarre media moments, I think, outside of Tucker leaving Fox today, uh, which is just, like, a, like I said, a crazy story. Oh, here they come. Here's the stories now. Forbes. Bongino and Tucker out at Fox. I mean, here, if I, I just... <laughs> This is going to be a crazy day. I'm going to get a thousand emails today. Does it have anything to do with 60 minutes yesterday? I don't, I don't know that. And uh, again, it'd be totally unfair to speculate, but I was going to cover this and I am going to cover it because the 60 minutes interview uh, yesterday with Ray Epps, one of the participants in the January 6th, uh, stop the steal rally. The interview is probably the craziest media moment of the year. I've never seen anything like it were a supposed news show. Remember, they portrayed themselves as journalists. I mean, we all remember, sir. So we all remember, sir, of course. I mean, sir. Stole with, sir, we all remember that. I mean, that's one of our favorite moments of all time. They portrayed themselves as a news station. They're interviewing Ray Epps, a participant in the Stop the Steel rally. 
And they have all of this video and text evidence that of Epps' involvement in the January 6th rally and some of the statements he made that both the night before and the next day via text. And it's the weirdest thing. Epps' answer to the whole thing is I said some stupid things. And it's like, that's it. The story just goes away. So it's crazy. So you get on one hand, you get a grandma went into the Capitol on January 6th and is being charged with trespass and thrown in the gulag. And then you get this other guy who is quite literally on video telling people we're going to go, quote, inside the Capitol. And CBS is calling conservatives conspiracy theorists for saying, hey, you know, what's going on here? Why would he why would he do that? Craziest media moment I ever seen. I'm going to take a break to digest all this. Everything's going on. I'm going to get back to this. I've got some audio from the interview. I got a lot to talk about. It is a big news day. Again, Tucker Carlson out at Fox. It just uh, earthquake in the media business like we haven't seen in a really, really long time. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this weekend podcast. We always appreciate it. As I said, you want to listen to the radio show? Great. Go to Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder. Find out where we're on near you. See you on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.